Hey there, listeners! Welcome to Horror Movie Club, the show where two dudes who aren't quite nerds but not quite noobs choose a horror movie each week to rate and review. I'm Ashvin. I'm on the phone with Brian, and on this week's episode, Brian and I are going to be discussing the past year in horror, and we'll talk about some of our favorite films, performances, scares, and what we're looking forward to as we go into 2024 in the world of horror. We're going to keep it spoiler free, so if you are looking for recommendations on movies to go back and check out from this year, you're in a safe space. We won't ruin anything for you. And hopefully you'll come away from this convo with some uh, ideas to put on your list. And if you have movies that you think deserve to be on this list that we don't mention, as always, you can reach out to us and uh, we'd love to hear it and talk about it on our Discord. Brian, you've been pretty vocal this year. I think, you know, as, as we've kind of gone movie by movie, talking about one, like how much you liked 2022 and we'll never see a year like that again. And two, uh, I felt like you were disappointed this year. But how, how have you felt now that we're at the end of the year about like how 2023 compares to 2022? I've been really struggling with it because it's just like 2022 is looming so large over it that I have a hard time seeing 2023 with clear eyes. Oh, boy. In the end, I'm thinking it's not that bad. Of, it's a pretty good year for horror, actually. It's just that in 2022, horror kicked so much ass that it seems like a steep decline here. But I think it's still a good year. I think it's really easy to think it was a bad year because you had some kind of high-profile stinkers and mm-hmm. high-profile, like, bland films. Sure. Whereas last year we had, like, a lot of, like, surprises that performed well and were talked about, and now it seems like this year the ones that did really well and were talked about a lot are movies that a good chunk of... I, I, want, I don't know if hardcore horror fans... A good chunk of seasoned horror fans were just kind of like, ugh, you yeah. know, like... The Five Nights at Freddy's of the World, uh, Exorcist Believer, The Nun 2. Yeah, high-profile movies that made a decent amount of money that a lot of horror fans were just like, what's what's going on here? Yeah, that's a really good point. There's a big disconnect between what was being hyped up and promoted uh, coming into this year and like those actually not being that great and you had better releases that were like more under the radar that uh kind of carried the air you're right like as i started to put this list together my my thinking going into it was like oh man everything in the theater sucked this year but then you realize like maybe the stuff yeah the, the stuff that was outside theaters or like less promoted or less pushed by hollywood was actually not terrible and, and there were like some real gems in there yeah yeah i think last year i had seven theatrical releases in my top 10 mm-hmm. this year i have five Oh, which, you know, isn't a huge difference. Yeah, still respectable, but it is a little bit of a drop off. I was like trying to analyze the box office mojo, like has a list of the 200 earningest movies globally for each year. Mm. And I was trying to compare the horror movies from last year to this year. And in this year, the biggest difference is that horror movies earned like Oh, let me get my numbers together here. Uh, so I imagine it's huge. <laughs> I, it's a lot of money, yeah. Okay, so <laughs> we just had to edit out me trying to read my own chicken scratch here on <laughs> this, and now, this back of the napkin math I did. But horror in 2023, this current year, accounted for $2.5 billion, which was 13% of that overall dollar number on that top 200 from Box Office Mojo. So, okay. Of that sampling of the theater, 
theatrical releases, horror accounted for 13% of it, $2.5 billion. Okay. Last year, it accounted for $1.2 billion, which was only 6% wow. of that total number. So, so like more than doubled horror its percentage. more than doubled its share of the market, both in dollars and as a percentage of all other earnings. Like That's crazy. All genre of films. Yeah. So, and I mean, yeah. basically, films like The Meg 2, which maybe some people don't consider horror, crushed it. Five Nights at Freddy's was huge. Blumhouse's biggest release ever. The Nun 2, Insidious, Megan, they all made a lot of money. Meg 2, Five Nights at Freddy's, and The Nun 2, the top three earners from horror earners from this year, all out-earned last year's highest earner, which was Smile. Wow. That's crazy. Uh, wow, that's, yeah, huge difference. And in such a gap then between, like, yeah, so much more money and a bigger percentage of lower ratings and reviews on those big ones. Uh, so interesting that those things are kind of inversed here. Yeah, and I tried to, I took, like, all the horror movies from each of those lists of 200 films total and averaged the letterbox scores together because mm-hmm. I was like, all right, we're going to see that Letterboxd users loved 2023 horror way more than 2022, Mm -hmm. but the average is like the same. Oh, year over year. Yeah. I think the biggest difference I noticed was that like the top five box office performers in horror, they, their average was way lower this year than the average of the top five box office performers from last year. Got it. Okay. So basically okay. like that data just kind of supports what I said yeah. when you when I first started talking. Like the <laughs> ones right at the top of the box office are kind of movies that people were underwhelmed by. Yeah, but still paid a bunch of money to go But made see. a lot of money, but yeah. it skewed, I think, all of our perceptions of 2023. I think so, yeah. Those ones stole the headlines. It's uh, You know, you're talking about like overall revenue, like how much they made at the box office. I also feel like those top five this year, I'm going to guess, but I, I assume those five were more expensive than the films from last year. Just as I think about like the franchises that came out this year and the budgets that went into those, I feel like this year you had a lot bigger budget films than last year on the horror side. What, what do you think? Yeah, I agree. That was something I really would have loved to have dug into if I had more time. Like, what's the profitability on these <laughs> yeah. things? What happened um, to the gross margin of these movies? <laughs> but yeah, and on your note, like, oh, it's more franchise horror. Yeah. Here's another thing I think that skews the perception of 2023. Last year, of those top 10 earningest horror movies, only two of them were part of franchises. Hmm. This year, nine of them were either part of a franchise or based off an existing IP, with Megan being the only wholly original concept of those 10. No way. That is wild. Uh, Hey, last year, are you counting, uh, you're not counting X and and Pearl as a franchise, are you? No, because that was all new and fresh to us. Got it. But those weren't in those top 10 earners anyway. Oh, okay, okay. Last year. Damn. Yeah. So, wow. What a year of franchises then. It really was, yeah. But if you dig, you know, deeper, some of the lesser discussed theatrical releases and some of the stuff on VOD and streaming, I think it was still sneakily a a pretty good year. It's just nothing can compare to 2022. Sure. Yeah, yeah. I feel like you had to dig a little bit more this year to find those winners. Uh, And yeah, that's kind of the second point I had about 2023 after the franchise thing from Hollywood. Uh, I thought foreign horror really kind of saved a lot of the day for me this year and uh, you had a lot of like strong showings from uh, foreign markets. Uh, Did you feel that way? Yeah, that's a good point. I hadn't thought too much about that, but yeah, a couple of the movies on my list at least are are foreign horror. 
Yeah, I feel like most of mine are. Actually, so. gosh, like, yeah, almost half of mine, I think, is. <laughs> yeah, which is, it's cool that we're getting exposed to that stuff and those markets are still going on. You know, it's, it's so weird because uh, I know this year was kind of marked by the strike happening in Hollywood. And I think we're all expecting like a slowdown of outputs and maybe like some deterioration of quality. But that was like supposed to start happening maybe next year. Like this gap would like hit us like uh, in like the next like 12 months potentially. But it seems like we already saw that happening this year you don't think what we saw from the rating uh or franchise stuff had anything to do with the strikes did it no i don't think so i I think the timing is it's too delayed to feel any effects from that yet okay my guess yeah yeah right right yeah i mean i would have expected like this dynamic in 2024 potentially versus uh this year that's right just interesting that foreign horror came back um also what about when you look at like the directors that showed up this year last year we had like ty west jordan peele eggers this year, like I think you only had Ari Aster with like a horror adjacent film, but otherwise, uh, and M Night Shyamalan and Eli Roth kind of came back. But uh, I feel like uh, you didn't get too many of the other big directors this year, did you? Yeah, I'm, I think it's still comparable. You got uh, yeah, Brandon Cronenberg, David Gordon Green, love him or hate him, he's a big horror director now. Yeah, uh, Andre Overdahl was back. So, yeah. Andre Overdahl was back. Uh, what did he have? Voyage, Last Voyage of the oh, Demeter. Oh, yeah. I forgot that was him. Okay. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay. So you still think we have like some decent horror directors in the mix? I mean, renowned or well-known names among horror fans, at least. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I cling to those three, Peel Eggers and uh, Ari Aster. Uh, right. They're my core three. But uh, I, yeah, I feel like I didn't see much from them this year. Yeah, I mean, this year we got Naster, and then next year we get uh, Eggers and Peel back at it again. Oh, what's Peel doing next year? Uh, I don't think there's too much known about it at this point. Damn, yeah. I but I think it's slated it. for like December 2024, I want to say. Okay, cool. Wow, that gets yeah. me pretty excited. Yeah, good. Uh, other trends from 2023 you want to call out? Oh, I don't really know. I can't speak too much on trends, I guess. I don't have any insight that... that I know last year we talked about like the uh, the theme of kind of toxic masculinity running throughout the films of last year, but I don't really see the thematic elements uh, this year sticking out. But mm. you know, there were a lot of franchise entries, which has become pretty normal. I mean, even in lesser known franchises like uh, Hell House, Hell House LLC had an entry. VHS had another one. Yeah, there was a sequel to Becky. Um, the a prequel to Veronica, yeah, yeah. Bird Box too, um, yeah, so yeah, and there's uh, you know a couple avant-garde films that were in a lot of people's top ten lists with hmm. Skinner Marink and Ennis Men. So sure, right, yeah, yeah, yeah. So interesting stuff, and a couple of YouTubers who uh, blew up on the the feature film scene, like Talk to Me. Those directors got big uh, on yeah. YouTube, right? And uh, Skinner Marink, Skinner Marink, yeah, yeah, cool. Uh, yeah, good call there. Uh, wh- what about genre-wise? I feel like, uh, I mean, I had this perception that maybe Slashers took a backseat this year, but then when I was looking at the list, you, you did have like Scream and Thanksgiving and It's a Wonderful Knife, which you liked a lot. Uh, what, what, what do you, do you think uh, <laughs> Slashers were as... <laughs> don't let the people who don't know yeah. <laughs> think that I like that movie. <laughs> yeah, talk to Martin about that one. <laughs> uh, yeah, do you, I, do you feel like Slashers were, had, had a big presence this year? Yeah. Or do you feel like it got replaced by something else, like religious horror or something? Um, yeah, I think slashers are still hanging in there with Thanksgiving and I guess Candyland was a slasher. Hmm. Scream 6. Sick. They're still in there. 
Uh, sick. Yeah, we just talked about this. Oh, oh, and I guess in our Thanksgiving episode. Oh, oh, about slashes still being around. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We okay. probably had a few more to to support that case in that yeah. episode. Yeah, yeah. I don't know why. I thought I thought like this year the big releases were less slashery. Uh, and more like, yeah, it was surprising to see like all like the nun, the Pope's exorcist and, uh, the exorcist believer, like seemed like a return of religious horror, uh, to me. Oh, and even like knock at the door or knock at the cabin. Knock at the cabin. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Last year, I mean, Scream and Halloween Ends were in the top five earningest of box office. So I think that right there is like, oh, it's a bigger slasher year. But yeah. Other than that, I mean, the Terrifier two was there too. X Pearl, so yeah, yeah, maybe maybe this year was less of a year for slashers than last year was. Yeah, it seems like it. Seems like it. But but you're right. There there were quite a number of uh, them as well. Sure, I think you could call Megan a slasher in a way. Yeah, I could see that. At least the cousin of a slasher. Sure, sure. All right. Well, cool. Anything else, or should we jump to the top ten? Let's just get to it. Let's get to the top ten. Okay. So as we've done before, we'll take turns. Going through our top 10, we'll start at 10 and work our way up to our number one. And Brian will share his, and I'll correct him on each one with the right answer for that slide. <laughs> but uh, yeah, let's let's do it, man. Uh, and, and yeah, I'm, I'm really curious. Any guesses on how much uh, overlap we're going to have between our lists? Uh, boy, this year I'm really not sure. I think at least four of the movies will overlap. Hmm. Okay. Out of the 10 on mine, I feel like we've only reviewed like three or four on, on this podcast. Oh, wow. All right, cool. Well, this so, will be interesting. Okay, yeah. So you want to go and start at your number 10 for 2023? Yeah, yeah. Number 10 for me was Sister Death, directed by Paco Plaza. This was the prequel to Veronica, which we reviewed early on in the podcast and both enjoyed. And this is on Netflix, and the cover art and the name makes it look like it's some cheap knockoff of The Nun trying to cash in on the financial success of that franchise. But that is not what the movie is. It's just, it's still about a nun, and it's supernatural, but it's a carefully made, deliberate film. Um, It's not jump scare laden or popcorn shoveling. It's just a bit more artful. It's a slower burn. It's darker and more serious, and it's extremely well acted. So if anyone's seen this and been like, nah, what if Sister Death, I'm not going to click on that. It's it's a good film. And if you're wanting something like The Nun, but less uh, for the masses, then I, w- I would check this film out. That's awesome. Man, that wasn't on my list at all. I'd, I'd never heard of that. And I loved Veronica. So yeah, that, that sounds amazing. And it like follows the storyline? Like you have the it similar characters? It is a characters? prequel to Veronica. You could oh. watch it. You don't have to have seen Veronica to, to watch this film. It's basically just at the end. You yeah, know, we kind of see how it ties in. Got it. But um, but yeah. Anyone, anyone, don't let not seeing Veronica be a barrier. But also go check out Veronica. Yeah, Veronica was awesome. Cool. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah, I, I didn't have that on my list. Thanks. Thanks for recommending that. Cool. Hey, Great. you're welcome. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, my number 10 is one that I think we talked about when we did our episode in August on like, uh, what was that? Like, uh, movies to check out or to stream, right? That halfway through. Yeah, there. just like VOD streaming films we wanted to like make note of before the influx of 
horror around Halloween season. Yeah, exactly. So I think I brought this one up then. It's called Unwelcome. Uh, it's a folk horror movie. And, you know, as much as I'm not a big genre fan of folk horror, I, I really enjoy this one. Uh, really, like, great couple at the center of it. And they're pretty charming. And then uh, the story just kind of, like, takes these unexpected turns and twists as they go on this journey to move past some traumatic events that happened in the beginning uh, and a really fun ending. So uh, I thought just like a, a really fun movie to stream and uh, completely unexpected going into it. So that was my number 10. Did you see that one yet? Awesome. No, I still haven't seen that one. There were some movies you mentioned on that episode that I haven't seen. Sometimes I don't watch those things because I'm like, okay, let's try to like split up the work and yeah. make sure we can speak to more <laughs> movies as a, as a pair. Yeah, go wider um, instead of deeper. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> That's what I was saying. All right. Uh, yeah, that makes sense. Uh, n- what about your number nine? All right. So my number nine was also mentioned on that episode we did of, of streaming and VOD. I think that was around August. This is uh, Influencer, directed by Curtis David Harder. This movie to me was exactly what a thriller should be. It was tense, and uh, even though you're pretty sure you know what to expect, it throws a few surprises your way, and I really like the pacing. I was engaged throughout the whole thing. Like the look and style and sound of the movie. And Cassandra Nod uh, gave a great performance in that, as we recently mentioned in our It's a Wonderful Knife episode. She really did. So, yeah, that did. This one, and I will say, I think from 6 to 10, I was confident in what my top 10 were. I was confident of what belonged in the bottom half of the top 10 <laughs> and the top half. But within those, it's like six could be 10, 10 could be six, yeah. five could be one, one could be five. I don't know. Yeah, same. I feel Actually, like... I'm pretty confident on number one. Oh, Two are? through five could be jumbled. Okay. Yeah, no, I feel the same way. I feel like as we go through this, I'm going to like be switching these off. Uh, but, you know, I, I, I agree. I, I really liked Cassandra and Nod. Uh, I, for some reason, I thought that movie was a little bit overrated. But I, I hear you, like, great production, cool story. And, like, uh, I think that, like, along with some other movies this year, just really nailed, like, our current environment uh, really well and, like, this reality we're living in. And uh, I, I thought that, that was really cool. But I, I think you're right. It's, it, it felt more thriller to me than, than horror. But you think it hits the bucket on both? Yeah, I think it, I think it kind of overlaps enough into horror for me to put it on this list cool um but yeah it, it's a it's a thriller in its structure largely yeah yeah fun watch i like that one yeah um my number nine Your number nine yeah my number nine was a movie you and i watched together candyland uh amazing board game and now an excellent film and <laughs> <laughs> paris uh I, I think it's just a, such a cool and interesting story like the setting isn't like a natural setting we all think about often the group of characters it focuses on it's just a very interesting slice of life uh and uh yeah the the opposing forces that come together like kind of pairs like a devout religious person uh, against these sex workers and it's just such a great dynamic that it creates and the i, I think it, it works really naturally to bring out the horror and oh what's that actress's name from it follows uh that's that's in it olivia lucardi that's her name oh okay cool yeah she uh i thought she did an amazing job in, in her role here so uh i don't know if i would consider that a slasher would you mm, it's tough it's yeah. tough yeah you got to kind of expand the definition of slasher a little bit it's not that's not really the first thing i'd put on it well right. i don't know yeah yeah, yeah, kind of it hits, it checks a lot of boxes. I think uh, sure. great, great uh, suspenseful film though. Uh, what about you? Number eight. My number eight was a movie that was very well respected by horror fandom in general, and and I really respected it too. I just wasn't quite as high on it as other people, but still really enjoyed it. And that is Talk to Me, 
directed by Danny and Michael Philippou. Uh, I just thought between those exciting and original possession montages and the just creeping dread throughout the movie, it really carved out a unique place in the horror landscape this year. And it was anchored by that relationship between the two friends at the heart of the movie, which is always a big help when you've got that heart to it. And some great performances by some young actors really, you know, I think boosted that up towards the top of most people's list. Probably most people have that higher than I do. Uh, something something about the pacing just felt a little off to me, which is why it's not higher. I wanted to check it out again before we had this episode, but I, I didn't have time. So mm. could could move up. Yeah, sure, sure. Yeah, that's when I've seen like top a lot of lists, and uh, I think you're right. It, it is. Uh, I don't. I don't. Th- I. I wonder if that one gets hyped so much, and then people come in with an expectation, and then it doesn't live up to it. We watched it here uh, again, like over Halloween, and had some friends over, and yeah, I feel like the hype, like coming into it for, on their side, like kind of made it a little bit underwhelming, uh, mm. which, which is unfortunate. Because uh, yeah, it, it is such a great original movie. But uh, the great thing about top ten lists is. They do get some movies out there for people who haven't necessarily heard of these films or are just looking for more to add to their watch list. But then it's like, okay, well, now it's got the expectation that it's, <laughs> exactly. it's top list. 10 worthy and it, yeah. it may not be for everyone. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, cool. Yeah, good good call out on that one. Uh, number eight for me was the, another movie I saw together, Sick, uh, which I think, uh, you know, yeah, we talked about this year maybe being a little bit lighter on the slashers, but uh, I thought this was probably like what Scream 6 should have been. Uh, and it had Kevin Williams, the writer from Scream, behind the scenes here. So I, I think it was cool to have that vibe back and have uh, two two or three people in a house out in the middle of nowhere getting attacked by a killer, which is a lot of fun. And I think as we talked about, or as you mentioned with the Influencer, um, I think this film too like plays on a lot of like modern day events and cool to see that naturally get integrated into uh, some horror movie storylines. Yeah, it's interesting to hear you say like that should have been the next Scream movie. I think Scream just keeps getting bigger and bigger and Sick was much more stripped down. And I wonder if that the Scream franchise could use an entry like that. Yeah. I, I don't think that would go over well. I think the Scream fandom has gotten a lot younger now. Mm. There's this weird thing where like, the Gen Z has adopted Friends and the Scream franchise <laughs> from our generation. <laughs> really? And there's friends? a Courtney, Courtney Cox overlap and all that. They oh, yeah. fucking love Friends. Damn, yeah, yeah. They love it. I also see a lot of youngsters wearing uh, Nirvana shirts. Uh, oh, yeah, what, yep. What the hell's going on? They got they got Friends, Nirvana, and Scream. <laughs> and Scream, yeah. And they think we suck other than those things. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, that, that's something to be said about that. <laughs> yeah. Gems of the 90s. Cool. All right. Yeah. What about you? What's what's your number seven? My number seven is Thanksgiving, directed by Eli Roth. I just had a blast with this movie. Everything you could expect from a holiday slasher, it gave us. Uh, if you're looking at It's a Wonderful Knife as this year's comparison, like <laughs> it, it shows you what Thanksgiving did right. Could we have been given better characters with stronger arts? Arcs? Arts? Arts. <laughs> <laughs> I think I've turned into a seal briefly. Yeah. yeah, they could add better farts. and But I think as far as the things that define so many slashers and the things you expect from like an Eli Ross slasher, the kills were excellent. The whodunit worked well enough, and it succeeded on those two important things. And the tone, the tone of a slasher is hard to nail, especially when it has some comedy in there. Again, look at Wonderful Knife for how not to do it. Sorry, Wonderful Knife, you're catching strays as the kids, <laughs> as the Gen Zers say. Yeah. 
But I think Roth just nailed it. I think he's good at tone. If he's he has a lot of flaws, but he's good at nailing down the tone of his movies. Hmm. It's scary. It's gory. It doesn't take itself too seriously. I liked it. Yeah, that was a really fun watch. Very, very much fun. And, and cool to see Eli Roth back at him. And it had been years. Oh, I, I don't know. He did uh, that Knock Knock movie, right? Uh, just a few I'd years say ago. Green Inferno, I think, was his last true horror movie. Oh, yeah. You put that was like 10 years ago. Yeah, right, right. Yeah, so it's cool to see him back at, at horror. And yeah, he's got a very like unique tone. Uh, and yes, it's cool to does. see that in his slasher. Right. Nice. Uh, great. Well, I've got a slasher two for number seven, but it's actually a good one. Uh, it's called The Conference. It's a Swedish film directed by Patrick Eklund. Uh, do you see this one? No, I haven't oh, even man. heard of it. I don't think. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's on Netflix. Uh, it's uh, and yeah, to to me, like this was uh, probably the top slasher that that I enjoyed this year. Uh, I think the premise is a lot of fun. It's about this group of people on a work retreat, and so it's got like a lot of fun office politics that it lures you in, and uh, some great humor in the beginning, and then it cuts loose into this kind of like insane and really gory slasher in its uh, second act, and uh, it's a, it's it's a really fun like costume design for the killer. And I, I think you had a great final girl in here, which is one thing I felt like Thanksgiving uh, was a little soft on. Uh, but in, in this one, I thought you had a standout performance from from the lead uh, lead uh, lead woman here. Sure. Okay. Cool. Yeah. 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 I'll take that criticism of Thanksgiving. That's fine. Okay. I got a few more for you too. Uh, now, what about your number six? Oh <laughs> uh, wow, we haven't overlapped yet. This is going to be the first overlap. Okay. My number six is Candyland, directed by John Swab. As you said, the setting and the ecosystem of of this these movies' main characters, like where they live, where they work, is extremely original, and it's like painted vividly. It focuses on this truck stop community of sex workers, and the dialogue and the acting here just makes this feel very real. And the characters felt like real humans, very authentic performances all around. I did enjoy Olivia Lucardi's performance, who played the main character, but I thought some of the side characters are what really made this movie shine oh, yeah. and like kind of stand out and make it feel a little bit different than than the typical horror movie fare. So mm, yeah, good call. That was a, a fun one for me that uh, f- it was weirdly like fun and like traumatic. It just like, it, it was very human. Mm, yeah, it was. Yeah, the script was so great. And you're right, the whole ensemble, there was like so well, uh, they, they all like worked off each other so well in that film. With the exception of Billy Baldwin. Or no, oh. Stephen Baldwin. Oh, yeah, Stephen yeah, Baldwin. the sheriff for the cop. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. No, it was Billy Baldwin. I'm uh, getting my Baldwins all mixed up. It was a Baldwin. Yeah, I think it was, I think it was, uh, I think it was Billy. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, and good call out on the cinematography, too. I, I forgot, like, how scenic of a film that was. Uh, it was, like, somewhere in the mountains or something, right, that they shot that, or, like, kind of a hilly area? I don't know, to tell you the truth. Yeah, uh, I remember, like, some scenic backdrops. I, yeah, I I didn't really actually call out the cinematography. Maybe the word I said ecosystem made you think that. Mm. I feel like the ecosystem of a truck stop. Oh yeah, uh, sex worker type <laughs> environment, like just the, sure. the people who come and go, the relationships they all have with each other. Yeah, not yeah. the environment. Got it. I think it was a. It might have been a cool environment. I, I vaguely recall like some yeah, cool background if, stuff. Yeah, it feels like Utah-ish or yeah, something. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Kind of middle of nowhere kind of thing. Cool. Good. Good call. Uh, my number six, uh, is a Mexican Peruvian film, Husera the Bone Woman. Uh, this was directed by Michelle Garza, I, Michelle Garza Cerevera, 
uh, and I think this is her debut film. Uh, and it's body horror, which I'm, again, like not a huge fan of. Uh, but the way they combine body horror here with the woman's journey into motherhood, uh, it makes it feel like really naturally and natural and like well-placed, the, the body horror that's in this film versus like kind of forced in. Uh, I, I think there's some really fun scares throughout the whole film and some of the distorted body visuals and the sound effects that uh, they use in the film really stick with you after the movie's finished. Uh, an amazing performance by the lead, Natalia Solian. And it, it's just an awesome way to show like the mental and physical and emotional horror that, uh, you know, this mother goes through while she's uh, going through childbirth and becoming a mother. So, uh, yeah, I, I thought this was a really powerful film. And I want to say, uh, Husera, is it based on like a, a folk legend or something uh, out of Mexico or, or Peru? Yeah, I'm not sure if that's a real legend or not. But yeah, there is kind of a, a lore to the movie. Yeah, yeah. So it's, it's cool. It might play on some existing IP there. That's fun. Sure. Uh, uh, oh, go ahead. Were you gonna oh, go I was to just going to go to my number five. Yeah. Is that okay? You, Let's see your number ready? five. Yeah. All right. Again, five through two, I had a really hard time putting in order. Um but yeah, my number five is Infinity Pool, directed by Brandon Cronenberg. This movie ended up a little bit higher on my list than I expected it to for two reasons. It became clear as the year went on just how rare it would be to have like a challenging, artistic mindfuck of a horror movie released on the big screen this year. And the aesthetic of the film and the feelings I had while watching it have really stood the test of time and stuck with me. It's been almost 11... No, it's been 11 months, almost a year since we yeah. saw this movie. Yeah. And to have that kind of longevity and shelf life in my brain, I think speaks volumes to Brandon Cronenberg's vision and his plot and his concepts and just the weird psychological avenues that he's interested in exploring within horror. It's just a haunting and mesmerizing film. And my biggest criticism at the time was that I felt like I couldn't connect to the main character as much as I wanted to. Mm-hmm. But as time goes on, I feel like... Uh, the other elements of the movie I connected to kind of make up for it, and I'm almost wondering if I was meant to feel like a sense of odd detachment. Oh, you know, that's very I wasn't like on, supposed to connect yeah. with the main character. That is like the main character in that film. I feel like he has like an odd sense of detachment from himself a right. little bit. Uh, so yeah, that's cool. That that's like translates into the viewer's experience. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah, so I. I ended up kind of having like the opposite of recency bias, bias with this. I'm just like, wow, this movie's still in my brain. And that was like a year ago. So. Yeah. I have a very uh, similar feeling. Like they, I, I remember like kind of so much about the movie. It was like such a long time ago, but yeah, it just, it really sticks with you. It was so unique. And uh, yeah, it's such a, I, I'd love to like kind of watch that one again. I feel like this probably one that like reveals itself through more multiple watches. I would too. I really would. I, there are so many of the movies on my list I would like to rewatch. I mean, all of them, really, but that one, I think, especially. Yeah, right. Cool. Good call. Uh, my number five was Attachment. It's a Danish film directed by Gabriel Beer Gislason. Uh, it's a romantic horror film, and, and that's a genre that I, I feel like is really hard to pull off. And if you want more on that, check out our Patreon on Twilight. I think that <laughs> might count as romantic horror. Uh, but this film, uh, it, t- it took me back to movies like Let the Right One In and like A Girl Walks Home Alone at Night. Was that what it was called? Or In the Dark? I can never remember all the words in, in that title. <laughs> yeah, you know the one. I think you I think you got it right. <laughs> okay. Yeah, but it, it, so, so I, I feel like these kind of movies are like few and far in between. And, and this one hits that vibe of like telling a really great 
uh, romance uh, story that's like kind of like a whirlwind and then this like horror that's going around uh, around it. So the, the story's really cool. You got these two women who fall in love and you're really pulled into them and you're rushed into their love and their dynamic uh, as it's like growing and then these fears that start to come about. And I think the cast here by the two leads is amazing and it's a really touching story. And uh, also I feel like the final act is like more scary than you expect. So uh, I, I enjoyed watching this one. I think you brought this one up in our mid-year check-in, right? Yeah, that and Who is Sarah. Oh, yeah. Right. You brought up Who is yeah. Sarah. Yeah, yeah, you're welcome for your a good chunk of your list there. Yeah. <laughs> for most of my list, just see Brian's list uh, a few months ago. <laughs> uh, also, you know, uh, we talked about kind of being sick of religious horror, but not sick of non-Christian religious oh, yeah. horror. That's a Jewish horror movie. Yeah. And there was like a, there was, yeah, there was another one what? out this year called uh, It Lives Inside, which was like, a, I think more of like a Hindu uh, religious horror film. So kind of cool to see uh, that kind of stuff pop out more often. Yeah. Yeah, indeed. Yeah. Uh, great. What's your number four? My number four is When Evil Lurks, directed by Damien Rugna. <sighs> Had a really hard time where this could have easily been like a number two for me. But this is the scariest, most intense, and generally most full-throttle horror movie I feel like I saw this year. Certainly the scariest film on my top ten list. I think Rugna had already shown us that he could put scary imagery on the screen with Terrified. And this film really adds some depth and character arcs. And just like a more holistic approach to filmmaking, which easily makes this one of the best horror films of the year. It's probably going to be number one on a lot of lists, and it deserves it. The only thing keeping it from being higher on my list, I think, was why maybe it didn't end up more like number two, was that the third act just, it didn't fall apart, but it started to just go a little bit downhill for me. It was kind of squandering some of the like interesting elements that it was trading in so far and got a bit more generic. Mm. But I just, I, I'm a fan of this type of horror. I think so many horror fans are collectively like, yes, like, this is what what we want from our horror movies. Make more like this and less like the Five Nights at Freddy's and the Nun 2 and <laughs> Predictable all the big blockbuster yeah. ones. But I struggle with stuff like that because it's like if horror is doing well, then that's maybe all we need. But is it going to encourage people to just make stuff based on intellectual property? By yeah. the way, I think Blumhouse had three of the top five at the box office this year and Atomic mm. Monster had two of them. Yeah. So it's just like, yeah. Yeah, I blame them for a lot of what we're seeing this year. Uh, you know, I've kind of defended them when you when you kind of throw shit at Blumhouse, but um, it's been a while since they had like a stone-cold classic. I, I, maybe not, but I, I feel like the quality of their horror films was higher back in the day, and the past year or two, it's been lower. Yeah, I, I feel like it's because... Uh, They've become like such a big act that they can like promote the shit out of anything and know it's like gonna sell seats and uh, make a bunch of money and like yeah I feel like their focus on quality has gone down. Uh, out of your list so far, have any been Blumhouse? Was Talk to Me Blumhouse? I don't believe Blumhouse had any hand in that. Okay, and that um, was Australian, right? It was Australian, yeah, yeah. Okay, so that's foreign horror too. Yeah, yeah, right, right. So, yeah, you're right. Like, yeah, I, I think I, I try to avoid them. Uh, I, I feel like, yeah, most of my films aren't theirs either. 
But uh, yeah, you're right. Th- this movie was so cool, and uh, man, what a comeback by by this director. Uh, I remember, like, yeah, Terrified was so good. Uh, but I don't, I don't think it was anywhere. Like, was it? Was that one also making top of list in the year it came out, or just like I don't. Th- I don't think so. I mean, there was a good amount of buzz behind it because it was fucking scary. Yeah. But it just, it was a little bit of a messy movie. It was, yeah. Right. Uh, but yeah, this one seems to be topping a lot of lists. And uh, yeah, that was, that was a great play. Cool. Uh, my number four is uh, a movie by Brian Duffield called No One Will Save You. And this was an awesome sci-fi horror film that wasn't on my radar at all and kind of just uh, surprised me by being dropped on Hulu. Uh, it had great production value, storyline, and character development. All of that despite the fact that there's basically no dialogue in this film. It's pretty minimalist. Uh, it's a fun movie to go into blind. The pacing is really good. You're kind of on edge the whole time not knowing what direction the film is going to go in. And I think Caitlin Denver as the main actress here gives a really impressive one woman performance like basically propels this film into unknown areas uh so i had a really fun time watching this one did you ever get around to seeing this one i sure did buddy oh cool all right yeah yeah fun fun movie uh all right what's your number three my number three i might get a little bit of shit from (laughs) everybody for this one is it renfield it's just fucking renfield yeah (laughs) i i was like Okay, I rated this a 4.5 when we reviewed it, I and that. I was like, oh my god, I can I have this at the top of my list? Like, I need to gut check myself. So this is the sole movie that I rewatched for this episode, because I was like, was I just crazy? And, <laughs> and like, in a very giddy mood. And while I pumped the brakes a little on the 4.5, and it's more like a 4, between 4 and 4.5 for me this time, this is still a really good, really fun movie. I don't know why. Yes, it has flaws, for sure. Aquafina's character being the, the <laughs> biggest one. But I don't know why more people didn't have a, a whole lot of fun with this movie and talk it up a little bit more. I, mm. I really enjoy it. I think it's funny. I think the writing is clever. Uh, Nicholas Holt did a great job, a great comedic performance. Everything about it is just fun <laughs> to me. I, it's over-the-top action, which horror fans typically love. There's, like, gory fight scenes. People are, like, impaling each other with their own arms. I think with comedy, it just it works for people or it doesn't. And there's plenty of comedies coming out lately that do not work for me, but this one did. I just I thought it was funny. I thought it was charming i thought the action scenes were a lot of fun uh aquafina i like her as an actor i just think they didn't know what they were doing with this character here and it it that got messy that's the worst part of the movie but Mm -hmm. i like everything else about it man it's just fun (laughs) and it was just so weird to me it was like oh nicholas cage is a as dracula like why don't we eat this everyone's going to eat this up and nobody cared it yeah, seemed like and they did these really cool um like flashbacks to their past which were recreating scenes from the 1931 or whatever year it came out dracula mm-hmm. it i don't know i think this movie did a lot right and it just kind of got overlooked or pooped on and i, yeah. I think that's a, a shame i think there's a lot of value there Wow. And I, yeah, so I'll go down <laughs> defending this movie. Luckily, I was able to not put this at number one because I was kind of nervous about that all year long. As we were watching more and more movies, I was like, oh my the God, pressure was on. my number one. <laughs> Still yeah. my number one. Yeah, damn. 
Wow. Uh, well, you know, I, I admire your uh, your commitment and your courage there to put that so high up on the list. Yeah, thanks, man. I wonder what it was. Is uh, yeah, that movie? Like when I look back at it, I, I feel like comedy, action, horror, like as like the third tag, maybe just because like it deals with vampires. But I wonder if maybe that's why horror fans aren't like as quick to embrace it um, because it, it skews a little bit out of the horror genre. But I don't know. Yeah, good, 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 good on you for enjoying that. Glad you got a kick out of it the second time too. Thanks. Yeah, I was, I was, uh, I was a little nervous, but I was, and was over, and I was like, "Well, fuck me, I had fun again." So. <laughs> Did it again? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Nice. Nice. All right. So, uh, yeah, I hope you uh, get get some good response on that one. Thanks. Um, we're on number three, right? Yeah. So, what's your number three? Oh, okay. My number three was, uh, yeah, one one of the few uh, Hollywood watches or like theater watches on here, uh, Evil Dead Rise. I think, uh, you know, you had so many franchises this year, as we talked about, uh, and most of them did terrible, like The Saw, The Exorcist, The Scream, None, Insidious, whatever. But this is one that I, I think actually worked for me, and it directed by Lee Cronin. Uh, it, it felt like a great expansion onto the 2013 film. It took a lot of, like, that gore and that menacing nature of that film and, and the scariness and brought it into, like, a new world, which uh, is an apartment complex, which I feel like all the Evil Dead so far, except for three, have been, like, at a remote cabin in the woods. So cool to see it, like, it translated into a new setting. And then, uh, yeah, awesome kills, uh, a great climax in the parking garage, um, a really fun theater watch, great balance of awesome gory kills and taunting deadites. Uh, so, yeah, this was a standout uh, for me in the theater this year. Wow. Okay. I'm surprised to see that so high on your list, man. Yeah. Yeah. Looking back, I, th- I think I felt very positive about that film. It's, it's, uh, you know, I was thinking about like true horror films I saw in the theater, like that one uh, definitely uh, hit the mark. Me. Yeah, I mean, I think both that that sits side by side with when evil lurks in terms of horror that was like true balls out horror could not could not be described as anything else other than a horror movie. Yeah, right, right. Uh, yeah. Well, cool, man. Yeah, I had fun with that one. I just thought it didn't do enough to set itself aside from the pack with the the rest of the films in the franchise there, but still yeah. still a very fun movie. Yeah, no Renfield though. For sure. It's no fucking Renfield, <laughs> that's for sure. <laughs> All right, well, what's your number two? I think I know what your number two and number one are now. Oh, okay. I still, I have no idea what your number two and number one are. I know. Are you? Uh, we've never discussed the fact that I've seen them, I think, for the most part. Uh, my number two is another overlap, though. It's No One Will Save You, directed by Brian Duffield. Again, I, I'm glad you didn't really spoil anything about the movie. Even the trailer, I think, gives away more than you did in your summary. So... I won't give away anything either. This movie just really caught me by surprise. I had seen like the first part of the trailer and closed my eyes, so I still didn't quite know what was coming. But man, I, the, the premise, it, you know, it's actually kind of basic on its face. It's nothing new in horror, but it's done so infrequently these days that it felt refreshing. And the yeah. execution of it all was definitely something new and original. As Ashwin said, there's very little dialogue in the film, and the world it creates for our main character is very specific and fleshed out. I recently read the Shirley Jackson novel, We Have Always Lived in the Castle, and this movie reminded me of that book a little bit, just in the sense of who its main character is and the type of life that that she is living. So Hmm. anyone who's read that book, don't go in expecting something like that novel. It's not quite, but something about... They're like spiritual twins in a way. 
okay. a great performance from Caitlin Deaver, who, like you said, there's barely any other characters in the movie. She carried that film, and she didn't even have many lines, like a handful of lines, maybe. Yeah. So I was just like wholly immersed in her character. I also found the film to be quite thrilling and very suspenseful. It really is, yeah. Uh, that one just kind of knocked me out of the water. I was just like, oh, here's a little Hulu <laughs> film that got, you know, the commercial came on every five minutes whenever Kelly and I watched something on Hulu. And then I was like, well, wow, that was awesome. Damn, yeah, yeah. I know. That one, uh, yeah, I, I feel like there's so little hype for that going into it uh, that, yeah, you just kind of don't know what to expect. And when it starts, like, revealing itself, it just keeps getting better and better. It's, it's so good. The, the trailer looks, because I went back and watched the trailer afterwards, it it looks a little generic. Like, mm. it does lead you, like, okay, there's something more here than meets the eye, but mm-hmm. it's not like, oh, my God, I have to see that movie. Sure, yeah, it doesn't pull you in right away or something. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Well, yeah, I'm glad you saw that one. Yeah, uh, we should talk. We should do an episode on that soon. Yeah, that'd be that fun. I remember that was, like, the top streaming movie for a while. Uh, so, it, but it's weird. Uh, I, I don't know if I hear like too many conversations about it still. Like it seems. I like don't it was, hear it talked about much. Yeah. Yeah. It came out like October. It came out like I want to say October. Like I, the Mystic I think around there. season. Yeah. You know, we were talking recently about how Netflix has kind of fallen off, like with all their original horror that they used to put out. Yeah. And the movies they put out that are horror movies don't really get in the end of year buzz as much as they used to. I think Hulu is kind of maybe picking up picked up the baton a little bit they had fresh last year and this one this year yeah yeah i want to say they had one or two more this year and last year that that they had prey last year didn't they there you go yeah that's what i was thinking of yeah yeah Yeah, it's really surprising they come up in that area good Mm -hmm. for them cool well yeah i think yeah it sounds like you know where i'm going so uh my number two is when evil lurks directed by Damien Rugna and yeah just everything you said I, I think this was the movie that scared me the most this year really disturbing uh, and I feel like a lot of Hollywood movies with their scares like they're still very uh, played kind of safe and I, I think this movie like went into areas of like uh, yeah seeing like dead children and stuff uh, and like the kind of brutality that it showed that like you're just not used to seeing too often in Hollywood and so uh, yeah I, f- I feel like I'm still kind of haunted and, and scared by this movie really really well done film yeah yeah indeed I don't think any horror fans gonna turn up their nose at that being so high on your list yeah yeah it's okay. no Renfield pick <laughs> yeah no else card well cool <laughs> uh, we're at our top film and what we've had like two overlaps two or three no one will save uh, maybe you. about three Candyland. Okay. no one will save you when evil lurks oh uh, yeah okay i think that might be it yeah cool wow and now oh, our number okay. ones sounds like you know what mine is i've and i think yours might i think be, number one's gonna be an knife. overlap for you <laughs> yeah, <number. laughs> yeah. Uh, my number one is something i just saw very recently and some people may not consider it a horror movie but i feel like it's safe to put it in this genre uh, Godzilla Minus One, Damn. directed by Takashi Yamazaki, who also wrote it and did the VF- VFX, I believe. Boy, this movie, buddy, it's just like an ode to cinema and big movie moments. Uh, it's just awesome. It, it's a film about a giant radioactive monster, so I f- that's why I feel like it's fair to call it a horror movie, and I think the original was considered horror back in the day. Mm-hmm. But it's, like, emotional and tragic and life-affirming at the same time and loud wow. and intense, and it looks amazing. There's almost nothing wrong with it. it. Its biggest weakness, I think, that maybe it leans 
it leans pretty heavily into some tropes that can feel a bit cheesy, but the rest of the movie is so good and so well-developed that the movie earns its right to be cheesy in some of those moments. There's just like moments where it's almost like a war movie. And there's just moments where you kind of like want to pump your fist up in the theater. Like, yeah, yeah. I <laughs> uh, <laughs> got Ashwin right when he was sipping a drink on that one. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it was just awesome. Best theater experience I had all year. And just wow. one of those movies that reminds you why you love movies. Uh, great performances. Really interesting character arc for the main character. It takes place in Japan uh, in the like, aftermath of World War II. It's a beautiful movie. That's incredible. It's a. Is it animated? No, no. Oh, it's it is. Not. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why this whole time I thought it's like a an animated Holy film. Holy shit! I just. <laughs> it's been a while since you said something that really just <laughs> caught me off guard. And good oh, to have man. you back. Oh, it's like a live action film. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, it's a Japanese live action film subtitled wow. movie. Damn, all right, yeah. Yeah, he texted me about that like a week ago, like, oh, you should definitely check this out. And uh, yeah, for, hearing it via your number one, I'll, I'll, I'll definitely get on that. I feel like, uh, yeah, pretty bad for missing that. If anybody doesn't think it's a horror movie, then you can tack uh, Scream 6 on as my number 10. <laughs> as your number one? Number 10. Oh, and oh, shift you everything else back. Oh. up one. Which would make, uh, what would you, oh. No, no one, one will, will save, save you would be my number one. Oh, okay, but okay. I think I think it's fair to, I mean, you could have, it's one you could really dissect and we could have a debate on if it's horror or not. But. Sure. Yeah. Cool. Damn. Yeah. I'm excited to see that now. Cool. Um, well, yeah, my number one predictably is talk to me. Uh, I can't believe you have that as number eight, man. I think, uh, this film, it surprised me with like how original it was and the horror. And I think the themes that it plays on are just so relatable to like our modern day world where everyone's like so disconnected from each other and going through grief in their own ways. I thought this was like a great play on that sentiment and added like a cool, uh, way to yeah make that whole idea scary and, and more alienating. And I thought Sophia Wilde's performance was just uh, incredible as like the center character going through this like insane journey. Um, and uh, yeah, I, overall, I just thought it was really a super satisfying film. Not not as scary as One Evil Lyrics, but I think the the message and uh, the themes of it really got to me, and I, th- I thought it was pretty relatable. It was good. Cool. Well, I'm glad you had it so high up because I think one of us should have. So yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Great. I knew you would. I think you gave that a five. Oh, I did? Oh, yeah, yeah. I was, I was pretty hot on the movie. And then, you know, the second time I saw it, maybe uh, a little uh, dampened, but I think still, like, really enjoyed it. Still a really good film. Sure. It's almost impossible to not have oh, a second viewing be a little dampened sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, happens. you did. I'm double checking here. You gave that a five. Oh, cool. Cool. Yeah. I gave it a four. Nice. Nice. And you gave uh, Renfield a five two or four and a half i gave renfield a 4.5 <laughs> great great that's awesome yeah. uh, cool. uh cool man anything else you want to get in there before we move on you're leading this so i don't know why i'm asking you was there anything like on the on the cusp or oh, any like other movies, movie you want to bring yeah, up? They're yeah. close to, uh no i feel like uh that was pretty good i mean like yeah, i think similar to you like uh my like top two could potentially like switch any day and like the bottom five i feel like less certain about some of those positions but i don't know if there are like too many that i saw which is like ah oh, shit i wish i had extra space to include that day. What, what about you yeah same same for me i mean scream six was my number 11 but i feel like it's kind of a drop off between 10 and 11 yeah me, so what, what did you give that like a three three and a half i gave it a four i oh. i thought like i scream five helped me check out and not expect 
from the franchise mm. anything more than just like cheesiness yeah uh and kind of like checking my uh critical thinking at the door a little bit yeah so i was able to like just sink into scream six a little bit better got it and i thought melissa barrera's performance really uh was, yeah Good. was boosted i thought she yeah. was terrible in scream five and i thought she was solid in scream six. yeah i definitely bought into her a lot more in scream six um yeah i'm surprised that evil dead rise and like uh come into your running at all were you pretty down on that film no, I, I like it. I gave it a 3.5. Okay. You know, it's just a... I think they got to do something different there. I mean, four of the five movies in that franchise are basically the same plot. Yeah, but this so one... Same with Scream, but... Yeah. Um, I know they moved it to an apartment building, <laughs> yeah. but who thinks it's not that different? <laughs> still has book with pages. They're still all in a space, like... Yeah. <laughs> getting There's possessed and killing each other. An elevator. Apartment. Which is great. I mean, I like the premise. It's just... I, I think it's time for something new. Yeah, I thought you were. Really I, I don't. Dead I don't think you can like have the like, oh, Evil Dead twenty thirteen's coming. Like we don't want it besmirched or or like ruined the franchise. And then holy shit, it blows everyone away. Ten years, they basically do the exact same movie again. Mm, it's just yeah. It, the, something about the the journey of that franchise. It was time to do something different. Got it. Damn. Uh, for someone who's like really into Deadites, I thought you'd love this one because you had so many Deadites here. Well, yeah, I I have a love hate relationship. Oh, you're talking about a sexual thing. Yeah, the sexual. Yeah, thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm into deadites. <laughs> yeah, I said it on, a, on, a, on an episode where we probably get a whole bunch of new listeners that have never heard us before. Yeah, you gotta get and the now main they're points. gone. Yeah, exactly. Bye, everybody. Thanks for hanging out with Thanks us. Thanks for stopping by. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Well, yeah, great list, man. I I feel like there's some moves in there that I, I definitely need to see. Obviously, the Godzilla minus one and uh, your number ten. Um, Sister Death is that what it was yeah check out Sister Death you'll like it cool cool um, great uh, anything else on the on your top movies uh, no I don't think so man okay you want to jump to like some of their our, our top uh, our favorite performance score scare makeup design let's do it cool yeah who did you have uh, as a standout performance this year boy this one was really tough uh, there were a lot of people I considered I considered giving it to Mia Goth again for Infinity Pool Cassandra Nod for Influencer. Oh, boy. Let me try to pronounce this. <laughs> Ryunosuke Kamiki in... No, Ryunosuke Kamiki, I would guess, in Godzilla Minus One, mm-hmm. the, the lead in that movie. Ultimately, I gave it to Caitlin Deaver in No One Will Save You, um, mm-hmm. with Mia Goth as a very close number two. I just think it yeah. was not easy to carry that movie on her back by herself with so little dialogue, especially... And I, I think she nailed it. So, she uh, Caitlin Deaver is mine. Cool. Yeah, good call out. Uh, yeah, that is such a feat uh, to to do that whole movie on your own without too much dialogue. Um, I, I had similar people in the running. I did go with Mia Gott, though, for, for Infinity Pool. I just thought she was both, like, vulnerable in the beginning and then just, like, kind of scary and, like, uh, yeah, wild in the second half. So I feel like she played multiple characters in the course of one film and is such a journey to like kind of be with her uh someone else i had in the running was sophie wilde uh from talk to me boy that's just what she does she plays multiple characters in the same film <laughs> yeah she's awesome at it <laughs> she really is yeah uh, uh, another honorable mention for me was aria bedmar the lead in sister death ah okay cool Great performance yeah nice nice uh what about scores i know uh we were talking a little bit earlier. Uh, yeah, we were chatting a little bit about this. There, there weren't as many scores that stood out to me this year as like the clear winner. Um, but then you mentioned, well, I won't, uh, yeah, I won't go into that because that was a spoiler of yours. 
But I chose the score for Influencer, done by Avery Kentis. Uh, Not only did it fit the movie very well, just the whole vibe of the movie, but it's one of those rare scores that is just... Well, not rare. I I can listen to scores anytime, but it's music that I would enjoy listening to even if it wasn't the score of a Mm. film. Nice. Uh, It's just my vibe. I I like it a lot. That is so funny because, yeah, so you texted me earlier today asking like, hey, what's, what scores are you thinking of? And the only one that like stuck with me this year was like, I remember Infinity Pool like sounded and looked really cool. And so that's what I was going to go with. But after you texted me, I started like listening to a bunch of other scores and I was like, wait, they all sound like pretty droney. But then I got to the influencer one and I was like, ah, oh, shit, this is a really cool score. Like it goes all over the place. They're like some songs with great beats, awesome electronics. So yeah, I, I came out with influencer too. Uh, Avery oh, hey Kentis. man, look at that. <laughs> yeah. well, I was, I was like, oh, I don't want to ruin that you chose infinity pool. But, yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, cool. and ended up uh, going with this one. Uh, yeah, so, such a good one. And uh, the runner-up I had was uh, No One Will Save Us. I think Joseph Trapanese uh, does it. Still kind of droney, but like a little more uh, uh, electronic. So I kind of like that one okay. as well. No One Will Save You. Oh, yeah, No One Will Save You. Yep, I want to say it's A Girl Walks Home at Night and not Home Alone. <laughs> I feel like I'd remember if Home Alone was in the title of a horror. Yeah. I think you're um, right. Fuck, I was oh, so yeah, then when you said Infinity Pool, I was like, Oh, I maybe I should listen to Infinity Pool again and I remembered it was by Tim Hecker. Yeah. Who is an artist that I have some of his music. He's awesome. Right. But yeah, it, it it's a great score. Uh no insults slung at it. But it's yeah. just like more drone. You yeah. know, it's it's almost like sound effects rather yep. than than music. That's yeah. again, that sounds like an insult. It's just I like influencers score better. Me too. Me but too. it was what it needed to be for Infinity Pool. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Scores to movies lately are just, I mean, I know I was saying I couldn't think of many that stood out, but some of them the past few years have just been fucking awesome. Like, oh. I feel like we've got a, just a lot of recurring names like Tim Hecker, Colin Stetson, yeah. um, Disaster Piece, like People who just keep coming back and knocking it out of the park, and that's right. cool. Yeah. I love scores. I was looking for called Stetson this year. Did he, did he not do anything? Boy, good question. I, I bet he did something, but I don't know what. Yeah, he did like Hereditary, right, and like the menu and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. he's got a great. I can't. Sound. Yeah, I can't remember if he did the menu, but he definitely did Hereditary. Yeah, cool. All right, next category: best scare of twenty twenty three. Did you have one? Yeah, for me it was the dog scene and when evil lurks. Yes, <laughs> I, I won't, same. Won't spe- yeah, that's what you got <laughs> yeah, to. Yeah, yeah, that's what I had to. <laughs> I won't spoil anything, but it, you know it's coming, and yet it still manages to shock and horrify. <laughs> they could have gone even more intense with it. I was about to say there's nothing I can think of that they could have done better with it. Yeah. But, you know, they could have gone harder. But it sets up another scene later which is also a really cool scene so mm. i think had they gone too hard with it they couldn't have pulled off a later scene so it was just it was perfect it really was <laughs> it's, yeah. it's like that feeling of you you know something's gonna happen and it still <laughs> fucking gets you is a yeah. good feeling yeah yeah there's such a build up there uh it, yeah i just like da- uh damien rugna the director he's got such a unique a uh, way of approaching and showing scares like uh it's so like unlike scares and like other movies that like we're used to there's like something so like natural that about it that it, it just feels different than what you're used to yes yeah he's really got it down yeah yep did you have any runner-ups for that no i didn't even consider a runner-up because that was just like 
the first thing that came into my head, and I was like, yeah, nothing beats that. I know, yeah, yeah, that's a big one. How, uh, how about you? Did you have a runner-up? Yeah, one I was thinking about was uh, the first kill and talk to me. Like, happens within, like, the first five minutes. It's just uh, at a party. It's just, like, very mm. fast and violent. Yeah, uh, that's cool. That's cool. Yeah, kind of takes you by surprise. Uh, but no, I, yeah, I think the dog scene wins. Um, and the last uh, category I had was uh, best makeup uh, or, like, uh, effect design. What, what, what do you think? When Evil Lurks Again. Um, that rotten dude, pretty yeah. much any extreme act of violence inflicted on somebody during that movie. There's something going on with a hammer, with an axe. It all looked really good. There was a couple of them where I'm like, are they doing this to a person in real life? <laughs> uh, so yeah, that that's my winner. How about you? Nice, nice. Yeah, you know, that's the one that I remember the most and sticks with me the most. But I also know there's like some recency bias there. Because we saw that like a month or two ago, so I tried right. to like dig further and thinking about like maybe like a best monster or something, and uh, ended up going with Evil Dead Rise with the final monster. There, I remember it like looked really cool. I, it was just like an amalgamation of all these deadites together, uh, and like it's not like something I was expecting to pop up when it pops up, and then when it does, I thought it looked pretty cool in, in the parking garage. Yeah, and what we were talking about earlier about me and Deadites, maybe I should have gone with that for best <laughs> yeah. makeup design. Yeah, that's a dream come true. They, they did something right there. Yeah, <laughs> wait, you combined that multiple I wasn't ones expecting. <laughs> yeah. Didn't know this was oh, a possibility. Oh my! <laughs> You've done excellent uh, work here. Yes. <laughs> great, great. Well, that's a, a good. Anything else to call out on twenty twenty three? Any other highlights to mention? Uh, I, w- I feel like we should at least mention Skinema Rink. Oh, Just, man. It, it feels like it kind of took the horror scene by storm. I was kind of quizzing the Discord about it earlier today or yesterday. First of all, I also talked to them a little bit like, hey, what did you guys think of this year? And I think most people seem to agree that it was tempting to think of it as a bad year because it followed 2022, which was excellent, mm-hmm. but that it was actually a pretty good year. Um, and I also was like, hey, can you believe that so many people are putting Skinnamarink number one? Because it was number one on Variety's list of horror movies of the year. There's a few other mainstream lists that had it as number one. And a few people were like, yeah, I can believe it. It was my number one, too. And wow, I think Chewy was talking about how maybe it's kind of just recognizing that like maybe this is something truly original that could catch on within the horror scene and you know, popular filmmaking in general. It's not that often that you get this avant-garde of a film viewed by so many people and talked about by so many in so many mainstream channels so mm. again i i like the movie it wasn't crazy about it but uh yeah respect yeah something to be said about like its ability to start so many conversations about the genre uh for, i still struggle to even view it as a movie to me it's sure. just a, a visual art piece without right. like any structure but uh yeah it's a cool concept and i wonder what what might uh what else might like shoot off in that direction? I do wonder what. Boy, I watched Ennis Men a few days ago, and I, I got to tell you, that's not too far off from Skin and Marine yeah. in terms of its straightforwardness. <laughs> so, uh, did you see watch, that one? I tried watching it. I got like, I don't know, half an hour into it. I'm just like, oh, what the fuck is going on here? Did, <laughs> does it make sense like an hour or two into it? Mm, not, not really. I mean, not any much more than you, what you saw. Okay. Yeah. yeah. There's another film I'd put with those two. It was that one found footage film i mentioned oh like yeah outwaters yeah uh yeah maybe this one? is a trend of the year that we might start to see more of yeah just like movies that don't really care about a plot and we're just going sure. by crazy visuals 
Yeah, I didn't see. Trips. No, I never got there around the outwaters. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm hoping it doesn't go that way, but yeah, you're right. I mean, there's, there seems to be something that's appealing to people in that art form. Well, cool. Okay. Uh, let's see. Do you want to call out uh, our Patreon members? Yeah, so I think what we're going to do, folks, is every year when we do this, we kind of go into a breakdown of our year rating movies and our year on the show and just talk about some some deep dive stuff with that. So before we do that, we want to do some thank yous just in case you're kind of new or a casual listener and you don't want to hear these deep dives. Um, so yeah, you you want me to do some thank yous first? Uh, sure. Yeah, you want to start? All right, yeah. I want to thank our guests this year, Jason from The Brood Coffee Shop in Chicago, who talked about The Fly with us, Whitney of Scoops Ahoy, a Stranger Things podcast, who discussed Jaws with us, Jason from Press Rewind, a Prince Lyrics podcast, discussed uh, when Jason takes... No. Is it just called Jason Takes Manhattan? Oh, yeah. Jason is. Walks Home Alone at Night, I think, is what <laughs> yeah, it's That's called. what it is. Yep. Uh, yeah, so thanks, Jason. And thanks to our friend Stephen Markley, author of The Deluge and Ohio, who discussed Skinnamarink with us. Yeah. yeah. And thank you to our listeners. Boy, I was listening to another movie podcast recently that I hadn't checked out before, and they were really shitting on a movie that I loved. And I was so frustrated. I never listened to other horror movie podcasts. So it was kind of a unique experience for me. (laughs) And so I just wanted to shout you guys out. I know how frustrating it can be to listen to us bash a movie that you really liked or not know something that you, you know and you're shouting the fact to us at home and thinking we're idiots. So I appreciate you guys enduring through those moments of frustration and sticking with us. Admirable. Honestly, dude, I, I think it takes some internal fortitude on on the part of listeners. So yeah. we thank each one of you for that. Um, and each year, our listenership ends up growing even more than we thought it would by the end of the year. So thanks to all of you newbies and everybody who has shared with their friends. Thanks to those of you who have been here for the long haul, and especially those of you who have supported us for years on Patreon or our new patrons. Welcome aboard, and thank you so much for your support. Thank you to Alex for always bringing us an excellent and interesting Ohio connection. Thanks to our friend Amy, who did our cover art. Go find her stuff on Etsy by searching Amy May, Amy May Pop Art, all one word. And of course, thanks to you, buddy. This is so much fun that we could do this together. I appreciate all your hard work and uh, you enduring me as a person. <laughs> hey, thanks, man. Same, same. It's yeah. been a, a lot of fun. It's been cool to wrap up another year of doing this uh, with you. And uh, yeah, thank you to all, all the listeners, uh, everyone who supports the show, all the guests, Alex, Amy. Uh, really appreciate this uh, collective effort that uh, is going into the show. And then, uh, yeah, all of you who are on Discord that I like, uh, I don't participate on there, but Brian does pretty active on there and you do an amazing job kind of uh, facilitating and, and diving in there and engaging with people. So uh, that's so cool that all of you are kind of like having that dialogue there. So uh, yeah, thanks for making this uh, bigger than I think what we uh, initially thought this would be. Indeed, indeed. All right. Um, did you guys notice that he didn't thank me? No, oh, wait, you did. You I did. Start? Yeah, yeah well, you did when I, yeah, that's <laughs> how you started. Um, <laughs> all right. Well, cool. We got those out of the way. Should we dig into like our uh, our year and some, some stats that I always le- like to read off about our ratings for stuff we reviewed on the podcast this year? Let's do it. I'd love to hear them. All right. So this part of the podcast, everybody, is not going to be exclusively about movies released this year, but movies 
that we covered on the podcast or the Patreon episodes this year. So our favorite movies this year, the ones that we rated the highest. Number one was Rosemary's Baby. That's the only movie this year we both gave a five. Wow. Then the only other movie I think that, oh no, that's that's maybe not true. Uh, Talk to Me was, I think actually the next four all average out to a four and a half okay. with our ratings combined. Talk to Me, you gave a five and I gave a four. Deadstream, we both 4.5'd it. Hmm. The Menu, 4.5 from both of us. And The Fly, I gave it a five, you gave it a four. Okay. And Jason gave it a five, so, you know, maybe that's that's the number two. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Some good evidence. Yeah. Our least favorite movies. Number one, Jason Goes to Hell, The Final Friday. Damn. We both gave it a 1.5. Number two, a recent entry, It's a Wonderful (laughs) Knife. I gave it a one, you gave it a 2.5. I gave it a 2.5? Yeah, did I get that wrong? You must have given that a 1.5. Yeah, for some reason. I might have gotten that wrong. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. I think I did Check mean... your notes. Let's break. Let's break, everybody. He's okay. got to check the notes. I think we need to get this right. <laughs> oh, shit. Uh, I think that was a game time decision. I'll go. Oh, okay. Actually, okay. I, I wrote two out of five, but then I feel like I went down to one and a half during our conversation. But uh, yeah, you might be right. I feel like you may have two, which would put that, if you did go to one and a half, mm-hmm. that would be the worst movie we saw this year. Okay, okay. After that is five, night at, five Nights at Freddy's, which both gave that a 2. Jason Takes Manhattan, I gave it a 2.5, you gave it a 1.5. And then after that, there's a bunch of movies tied at an average of 2.25, The Happening, Exorcist mm. Believer, Annabelle, Anaconda, and The Grudge. Yeah. Pretty Sounds average right. movies. Yep. Yeah. Our biggest gaps, our biggest disagreements, number one. Again, I'm hot and cold with the Evil Dead franchise. Evil Dead 2, you gave it a 5. Oh, man. And I gave it a 2.5. Damn. That was a good one. Yeah. Yeah. Wolf Creek, you gave it a 3.5. I gave it a 1.5. Damn. Bride of Chucky, I gave a 4. You gave a (laughs) 2. Renfield, I gave a 4.5. You gave a 2.5. And then there's a bunch of 1.5 differences. I won't even bother reading them. Ah, okay. Okay. But yeah, I'm starting to notice... Well, it's always kind of been a trend. You you want things to be more scary, <laughs> and you're more likely to give those a higher rating. And if there's like something that leans comedic, I'm more likely to go higher. Yeah, like Bride of Chucky and Renfield. But then you kind of flipped a script with Evil Dead too. I know. Out of five. That was a surprise. I tried to go. I uh, tried to embrace the absurdity there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but we we typically are fairly agreeable, I think. Of the 54 movies we reviewed this year, we gave the exact same rating to 13 of them, and we were within half a star on 23 of them. Oh, wow. Cool. Damn. We're com- coming together there. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. And uh, your average rating for the year was 3.18, mm-hmm. and my average rating for the year was 3.4. Oh, wow. That's an interesting difference. Yeah, you stopped liking movies as much. Last year, I was at 3.4, the exact same, and you were at 3.36. Oh, okay, okay. Damn, getting yeah. older, a little sadder. You're getting older and grumpier. Yeah. <laughs> I remember that part taking forever last year, but I just rattled through that real quick. So. Yeah, great. Good good. That's good all sets. I really got. Yeah. Cool. We, next, next item? Next item, and I think our last item for this episode, is what we're excited for for 2024. Um, have you had a chance to look at 
the radar for next year and movies that you're psyched to check out? Uh, I almost didn't. I did it last minute right before we started recording. And some, you know, I already kind of knew in my head. Um, Eggers, Nosferatu movie. Yep, same. Maxine, if it's, you know, I don't think it has an exact date yet, but hopefully that'll get released next year. Mm Mm-hmm. In the same bucket as Salem's Lot. There's no date on that, but hopefully it's coming next year. Hmm. I've been hearing mo- buzz about a movie called Late Night with the Devil. Oh, I haven't heard of I th- it. I think is coming next year. Yeah. Okay. It, it looks interesting. Um, those are, Oh, then the new Jordan Peele movie. Hmm. Those are all the ones I'm truly looking forward to, but then there's other ones where I'm like, oh, this, this piques my curiosity. A Quiet Place, day one. Yeah. Alien Romulus, another entry in the Alien franchise. Fede Alvarez, I think, is directing that. Yeah, right. Smile, too. Right. Could suck big time, but <laughs> it could also be good. Yeah. Uh, it's funny. Yeah, I don't know if they can surprise us twice. And then Terrifier 3 will, of course, be an experience. Yeah, yeah, that'll be interesting. Uh, cool. You know, I, I had all the same ones. Uh, pre- pretty excited. It's funny, because a lot of those are franchises, like... Terrifier, A Quiet Place, Maxine, uh, Alien. Uh, Those ones I'm pretty excited about, but also franchise. Yeah, yeah. You know, I'm I'm fine with franchises that have come out in the past few years. Yeah. But it's just like, do we really need entries in franchises that have... Yeah, that are running for like 10 years. Yeah, like like number seven and eight of a franchise. Right. Or like a reboot or a second reboot. Right, Um, right. Salem's Lot is a, you know, that's a remake, but... So long ago that yep. it feels a little less uh, icky. Sure. Isn't there a sequel to It Follows coming out next year? Yeah, I couldn't remember if that was going to come next year or the year after, but I think it might actually be next year. Okay. So if so, yeah, I, of course, am looking forward to that. Also nervous. Yeah. I'm nervous. There's a lot yeah. at stake there. <laughs> I'm normally like, whatever, you can't retroactively ruin... Yeah. a movie so who cares if it sucks it sucks but this time i'm kind of a yeah. little more precious yeah about it. i feel like there's yeah a lot to lose potentially um, it's a, just a great movie to stand on its own it and really it's is. been been so long i mean it's seven or eight years now and yeah yeah I, yeah I, I don't i guess i feel a little weird about them making another one but i'll of course be sitting right there in the theater eager to see what they got same. Also, like the storyline, like the way it ended, it didn't leave like a room uh, or like a question in mind about like, oh, I wonder what like where they could take the story from here. Like it felt like such a great piece on its own. Oh, the one last movie, uh, The Crow. I thought you'd be excited about that. Uh, yeah, that one I do dread. Uh, so I'm not <laughs> okay. excited about that one. <laughs> all right. All right. Well, cool. Yeah. So I'm, uh, it'll be cool to have Eggers and Peel back next year and uh, T.I. West, hopefully with uh, Maxine. T.I. Uh, yeah. Oh, just Ty. <laughs> He's not like the rapper. Who's that rapper? <laughs> uh, yeah, Ti is the rapper. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I love that guy. He's an animated <laughs> rapper. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Well, uh, I think that's it. You got anything else you want to say? That's all I got. Okay. Well, thank you everyone, and thank you Brian. It's been a fun year uh, doing this podcast, uh, and we hope you all had a great holiday and a good New Year's, and uh, we look forward to exploring more films with you in 2024. I'm excited, man. It's a weird moment where you're wrapping up the year and starting off a new one. It's, uh, I don't know why just a calendar change can make you so excited for what's coming. I know. <laughs> I know. It seems very arbitrary. Yeah. <laughs> it's a fresh start. Yes. And, uh, 
Hopefully there'll be more Renfields this year. <laughs> One can only hope. <laughs> yeah, Renfield, exactly. Renfield, Renfield every other weekend. <laughs> All right. Uh, take care, everyone. Happy New Year's. Thanks, everybody. Happy New Year. Happy New Year.